Thank you for joining me on this journey and welcome to episode 44 of Remembering Our Way Home. This week, our featured guest is beloved daughter, granddaughter, sister, and mompreneur Jasmine Beard. As a native of North Carolina, an internationally recognized leader, Jasmine shares some of her best wisdom as it relates to her journey of ancestral veneration. Welcome to Remembering Our Way Home, a weekly podcast to inspire, enlighten, and empower listeners via personal testimonies, discussions, and interviews with featured individuals who have embraced the transformational and ancient practice of ancestral veneration. Thank you, Jasmine, for being with me this morning on Remembering Our Way Home. First, I would like to know, what comes to mind when you think about the word ancestor? Mm. Wow. (laughs) What comes to mind? A lot of things come to mind when I think about the word ancestor. Um, I think about grounding. I think about connection, transition, power, empowerment, um, protection, guidance. I think about clarity. Uh, I think about uh, information. Um Ascension, um, comfort, I think about um, the future, legacy, community, Um, yeah, I I would say, and that's a lot, but that's just the start of what comes to mind when it comes to ancestors. person that was very significant to me that I probably only met, uh, well, not probably, I knew me when I was six months old was my great-grandmother. But as, you know, an adult or a a teenager, what have you, um, the person, the people that have transitioned to, um, that were close to me, my bonus dad, my biological father, and then most recently my grandfather. Do you have a relationship with them now that they've transitioned? Would you say that you have a relationship with them? I do. Yes, I do. You do. Um, okay. The closest, the one that I have the closest relationship with is my bonus dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, because mm-hmm. we've always had a spiritual connection um, from the time mm-hmm. I was born. Um, and we may have talked about this in the past, but um, the connection that I have with him is, is so divine, is it's unbelievable. Um, he came into my mom's life when I was just born or maybe even before, a couple of months before I was born. And mm-hmm. we have the same birthday. Mm. Um, I was born in 85. He was born in 58. When I turned 14, he turned 41. Um, wow. It was just like so many, you know, so many alignments 
that it was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, I, you know, he, he would tell you that he, nobody could tell him that I was not his, you know, um, mm-hmm. and I, I always believed that he was put into my life. Um, definitely for a reason. I don't believe anything that's by mistake, but we've always had a very, very deep connection um, on a spiritual mm. level. I see. Wow. Um, so how did you become aware um, of of this idea of, you know, your ancestors, or how did you become aware of this whole idea of people, you know, on the other side and and like how to maintain a relationship with them. Like how did that become um common wisdom for you? So for me at a very like I think I was probably less than one years old, um, or one year mm-hmm. young. Um, I remember laying on the couch and just being having this type of awareness that Mm. I, like I was laying on the couch, I was I was probably even a baby. Like I, I I'm almost certain I wasn't even walking yet. But I was laying on the couch. Mm. My mom bought me this sterling silver bracelet, and it had a bow on it, and it was on my left arm. And I just remember mm. looking up at the ceiling, and I was thinking, like, Wow, here I am, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And it was just something about being so aware and conscious at that moment at such a very, very young age. And I did not realize how significant that was until I talked to other people and they said they can barely remember beyond the age of five, anything prior to the age of five years old or uh, mm-hmm. three or four. <laughs> so I'm like, well, I was that that young and that fresh. And having mm-hmm. that experience, but then also my mom, you know, we do have Native American heritage, which, you know, is also very spiritual and practices and belief systems. So she would talk mm-hmm. about that, and, you know, our, our great-grandmother and, you know, like different practices of talking the fire out when you get a burn. And, you know, and she would say, you know, you know, when um, she would tell me growing up that, you know, you always you have Mama Home spirit because Mama Home's passed. A transition when you were six months old, and she said, "Mama Holmes always said that you were going to be." She's like, "That's one to watch out for," because she said I was so advanced and, you know, just had an, an innate knowing um, mm. in the world. And then, uh, as you know, four, three, four, I would say more towards four or five years old, um, I didn't fear getting lost, so I, I would always mm. wander. So we go to the mall. Mm. My mom would be the one crying, looking for me, <laughs> and I'm just comfortable walking through the mall <laughs> like I had been here wow. before. And that wow. was the way that people often described me as like, oh, you know, she's been here before, <laughs> you know, either through conversation with me, um, even things that I would say my mom said. Um, there were times when she would, you know, get get on my brothers, and I, she said at two years old I would tell them, Y'all don't do that because, you know, that's not going to end well for you. When I was your age, you know, this is what happened to me. And she said it would kind of scare her, and she would say certain things I would say would remind her of her grandmother, which was my great-grandmother, Mama Holmes. And she would always say, yeah, you've been here before, and the fact that we were born with our eyes open, myself and my Mm -hmm. older brother. So, um, you know, she would always, always tell me, you know, you know, I know. You and your brother came in the world with your eyes open, and the elders would say, 
you know, if the child was born with their eyes open um, or even with gray hair, which we both were as well, which is a sign of wisdom, knowing, and pretty much prepared for the world. And, you know, I've had the blessing to experience um, other cultures. And I have a friend who had mentioned to me, we were talking about being born with our eyes open. He's from Congo. He said, he said that's what we would call um, people who don't miss anything, we'll call Zuma. And that's basically mm-hmm. you're born with your eyes open, but also like just being out in public, you see things that the average person does not see. Like we don't miss mm-hmm. anything. Another way that I really knew that uh, there was some type of heightened spiritual awareness was one, um, just not being able to fit in to conventional religious practice. Um, mm-hmm. I just knew at a very young age it wasn't for me because I'm like, how are these people catching the Holy Ghost? How are they, you know, how are they doing these things? And then just some of the things that were preached and taught in the mm-hmm. church and the churches that I attended, it did not sit well with me or my spirit. And I'm like, this just does not feel right. Um, mm-hmm. It was too much fear-based. It was too too much toxic uh, fear. Um, And I thought, like, wow, we have to fear the person that created us? I should have a toxic fear of my mom? Like, that doesn't make sense. A parent's love should be loving. So if, 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 you know, as they Mm -hmm. say God is our father, he should be loving. I should have a loving relationship with him and not like this toxic, you know, almost toxic, abusive, narcissistic love of of a person or a being that created mm-hmm. me, right? What about consecrated space in your home? Do you have you consecrated space in your home for your ancestors? Um, when you say consecrated, as far as like having an altar? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't have one as of yet. Um, I, well, let okay. me not say that. Actually, yes, I do. So there's a peace plant okay. that um, mm-hmm. that was given to me when my bonus father passed away. So I don't have an official mm-hmm. altar as of yet for um, okay. for personal reasons. One, because my space is not completely private right now. So um, okay. so my altar is with me, but also I do have an altar or a pseudo altar. But there's a plant that when my um, bonus father transition I keep in the center of my room so uh, mm-hmm. my, my living room so I keep that mm-hmm. um, there as remembrance reverence giving thanks um, it always reminds me of his wisdom every time I'm having mm-hmm. a tough time and I see that the plant literally mm-hmm. is connected with me because when I'm going through tough times the plant is also struggling and I'm like okay Ooh. it's filling wow. my energy so but I mm-hmm. um, look at it to know that, like, because all of the leaves had disappeared at one point, and then they started to grow, and I'm seeing that the roots are getting stronger. So it's reminding me that, okay, now that mm-hmm. you're going through this, you know, seemingly challenging and transitional moment, just know that mm-hmm. it's part of the process, and there's this newness that's coming about, and things are still happening for you. It's just at a little slower pace at this time, but they're happening so that my foundation is strengthened. And I'm looking at that as confirmation and comfort because, I, you know, when I was in my younger years, I would panic and, like, try to do any and everything mm-hmm. I could to make things better quicker. But mm-hmm. now I'm with wisdom and guidance and, be, you know, peace and um, experience. I'm just like, this is part of the process. It's it's going to be okay. It, it, it already is okay, but... 
this is just um, me not starting from starting over, starting from experience. What kind of special things do you do um, weekly, monthly, or you know, or daily to honor your ancestors? Is there anything that you can think of that you put into practice? Well, one, giving gratitude and thanks. Um, I don't always write it down or journal it like I used to, but giving thanks, whether Mm -hmm. it's just with meditation or just when Mm -hmm. I open my eyes, like, thank you for my breath. Thank you for my health. Mm -hmm. Thank you for, you know, um, the, the, the thoughts that come to me to propel me forward. Thank you for my daughter, you know, um, thank you for guidance and Mm -hmm. wisdom to see things Mm -hmm. that many people miss. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, so just giving gratitude, that's the first thing. The other thing is just my entire existence is giving mm-hmm. thanks to my ancestors. To me, that's my 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 life is a gift, is a um, a mm. reference to the ancestors because they yeah. gave me gifts that I feel like should not go to waste, and I have to use them to continue the positive legacy work that they've started. And so um, I have an original quote that I always say, and it was one that I um, said for the first time publicly um, mm-hmm. when I was uh, had won a business award. And I said, you know, it's up to it's up to us to continue the positive legacy work of our ancestors, but it's up to, and it's also, and we owe it to our children to mm-hmm. continue uh, to create the community that we want to see them live in. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that saying that how dare we waste the gifts, the knowledge, the wisdom, and protection that our ancestors mm-hmm. have provided for us. Like, so mm-hmm. if we're not using our gifts, we're basically just not appreciating what, they pre- what they've prepared us for, what they've gifted to us. It's going to waste. And so, and then for the children, we owe it to them because, you know, a lot of people say, oh, well, the children will fix it. They'll be leaders. That's totally mm-hmm. unfair. Why should children be um, hindered with mm-hmm. saving it, cleaning up the mess that they didn't cause, cleaning up the mess that they inherited, right? right? Like it's almost mm-hmm. like you walk into a store, somebody just strolled a bunch of trash on the floor and said, hey, come and pick that right. up. You just walked in. You next. <laughs> right. Okay, and that's, crazy that's that. not fair. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like why not mm-hmm. clean up the mess if we are aware of it, why not yeah, make it better make so our amazing. children can inherit peace, not trauma, not yeah. toxicity? Let them inherit peace. What about that for an idea, you know? Instead of these kids, uh, think okay. they're the future. No, they're only a, a, they're only, um, mm-hmm. a, a result of what, they, what we've passed down to them to a certain extent. Mm. Practicing ancestral veneration, do you do you notice a shift in your family dynamics? Do you see things, you know, um, elevating or or healing or you know getting better? You know, do you see growth in your family? At, at this time, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And to be honest, mm-hmm. yesterday was the first time in a long mm-hmm. time that our family had gotten together. Um, mm-hmm. You know, with with a sizable amount of attendance, of course, you know, the current situation with, you know, the public mm-hmm. health and all that has um, mm-hmm. changed that. But also, I just noticed as the men in my family or men in my life that had transitioned, we started mm-hmm. to kind of spread apart. Mm-hmm. And so um, 
And I noticed how much they were kind of the glue, so to speak, Mm -hmm. um, in certain Mm -hmm. areas of the family. So um, I will say that for my siblings, we made sure to keep ourselves together um, because that Mm -hmm. was part of us venerating. Um, My father, he was very, my bonus dad, he was very, he was always happy when we were all, when we all got together. And so Uh by all of us getting together around Mm -hmm. the holidays, um, that was when we felt closest to him because Mm -hmm. that was through the love we share for each other. And then it was also Mm -hmm. remembering the things that he liked for, you know, the things we did with him and that we enjoyed doing with him, the things we talked about with him um, because he's a very active and hands-on father. What are some of the blessings, magic, and miracles you have witnessed in your life as a result of having this relationship with your ancestors? Oh, wow. Can you think of any? I don't have, <laughs> uh, do we have enough time? <laughs> That's the well, I know, no, I know. <laughs> um, think of one thing, one, one thing that comes to mind immediately. Okay, so um, one of the most recent ones was, I mean, one is knowing the timing of things. That's that's a big, okay. that's a big thing, knowing the timing. Divine timing is so different than what, I mean, mm-hmm. as we say it, it's cliche, but just a lot of people don't, you know, they just, some mm. people will say, oh, that's not divine timing. That was going to happen anyway. But it's like, no, when you pay attention <laughs> to how things move about and how things yeah. are intricately placed in our lives and at the time mm. and the moment, yeah. mm, there's there's no way we uh, we could have calculated that, you know. Um, let me say, not at a, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And not at a, not at a, a surface level, right? So, mm-hmm. That's one big blessing for me is just recognizing, knowing, and experiencing, as you said, divine time and in divine order. Um, another and, and, and a quick specific example is I had a client that I had severed ties with because I said, hey, if we're not going to renew our contract, then I'm going to, you know, sever services until we sign a new contract. Well, the, mo- mm-hmm. the last invoice they received was in March. Um mm-hmm. I, and during that time, I had overlap with another client that was a multi, uh, multi-month multi contract, and I had to sever ties with them because I said, you know, it's not aligning with my core values, my principles, and lack of transparency mm-hmm. and honesty. I had to remove myself from my spirit to maintain peace. So mm-hmm. that happened. Well, that was by May 31st. I had no form of new revenue coming in because I needed to clear mm-hmm. space to transition my business to where I really want to be in flow and in alignment with my spirit. So um, when that happened, I like I said, no income coming in. The last invoice I had sent, the, pre, that the, the longest client I had at the time, was in March. So they didn't send payment until June 19th on Juneteenth. Of all days, that check arrived in the mail on a Saturday. And I'm like, 90 days later, and of all days on June 19th, it arrived. And I was not expecting to get payment because they never communicated. They never said, hey, we're going to, you know, send payment mm. or nothing. It just arrived in the mail on June 19th of this year, doing what I needed to do to make things happen and, you know, uh, securing um, the clientele that uh, that aligned with the way I, I work and my core values. But at the same time, that's still in the back of your mind. I want to make sure I can provide mm-hmm. for me and my child. But as you, mm-hmm. as you know, having the experience of knowing that the ancestors are going to provide, like, 
And that's the thing, over time and time, another example, when I was younger <laughs> and when I was in this situation again before, um, you know, I was 22. I had just, um, I was in the process of losing my first investment property. Um, and I said, you know, I could try to fight for this material thing, but, I, you know, I was like, I'm 22. I could start all over again. It's not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. I said, let me mm-hmm. um, take this opportunity. And, well, first, even before that, um, I was in a situation where I didn't have any income coming in. So, I, you know, I knew that foreclosure was is a, was an option at the time. And I said, well, mm-hmm. I said, if I um, – was working as a, for a bail bondsman company as a translator for Spanish clientele and mm-hmm. an interpreter. And so I said, for, I just spoke it into existence. I said, next year, on my, I said, if all goes well, and I had, that was the other thing. I had uh, left a chiropractic office because the the um, owner and his wife, uh, she was very toxic and verbally abusive to the staff. And I just was like, I'm not going to do that. Like, you're not going to talk to me mm-hmm. with that, that type of language and that spirit. So mm-hmm. I left there. Again, not having another job lined up and, you know, conventional wisdom say, oh, don't leave a job till you have another one. And I'm like, no, I'm sticking to my core values and sticking to my alignment and the conviction of my spirit. So, mm-hmm. and I'm like, you know, I know the ancestors will provide. And I just always had a meditation and mostly was asking for protection from, at that time, my great-grandmother, because even though I didn't remember her face or anything like that, um, but mm-hmm. I just always had a connection with her. And I always remember feeling her presence around me, even as a young girl. That was one thing I left out from your question earlier, but always feeling the mm-hmm. presence of some other being or uh, spirit around me as a young child and not feeling scared about it. So um, when that happened, um, I, like I said, I didn't have any income coming in. And I said, well, if all goes well, I said, I'll just do translation and interpreting on my own for families that need to go to the doctor or things like that, that needed French or Spanish uh, interpreting or Portuguese. And I said, what? Yeah. At that time I was still learning Portuguese. And I said, um, if it goes well, I'll just go to Brazil. You know, I'll be in Brazil next year. Um, for my birthday. Did not know mm-hmm. how that was going to happen. Again, I didn't have any money <laughs> in my account. Mm-hmm. I had less than, probably less than $500 in my account at that time. Mm-hmm. And so um, mm-hmm. I, I was getting ready to go back to school to finish, um, you know, my degree because I had finished like the first two and a half years, but, you know, mm-hmm. overworked myself. And the doctor was like, you're going to have to stop or else you're going to like, your battery's mm-hmm. going to go out completely. So took a year uh-huh. and a half off to work in corporate America, and then I said, this is not for me. It was too constricting, and then I just said, let me go ahead and finish my degree. Um, so went back to school and found out there was an opportunity to study abroad, and my uh, Portuguese professor had highly endorsed me to study abroad in Brazil. And wow. at this time, I'm going through foreclosure on my property, and the um, – and it, it actually took place, um, I think, probably while I was away, if I'm not mistaken. But they had already started the process and everything. And I said, you know, uh-huh. that's not an attestment to who I am. And thankfully, I wasn't attached to material things to where it was devastating. And so mm-hmm. um, I just, you know, that happened. And then the, on in uh, February 2008, my 23rd birthday, I was in Alice Bar. or uh, They call it Alice Bar, but uh, Alice Bar dancing samba with some friends and that I met there while going to school on my 23rd birthday and 
you know, um, it was just amazing, like, you know, knowing, again, divine order, divine timing, speaking things into existence Mm and um, Mm -hmm. manifestation. And so that, Mm -hmm. for me, that was one of the most memorable experiences Mm -hmm. um, and gifts of, (laughs) you know, having that relationship with the ancestors. That's beautiful. That's amazing. Is there a song, a film, or a book that comes to mind immediately when you think about your ancestors? There's one song by Lettucey called It's All Right. Mm. Um, from my childhood, um, there was a song that just really stuck with me. Um, it was called This Battle Is Not Yours by Yolanda mm. Adams. Um, yes. That song mm. always spoke to me because, you know, even though she would say it's the Lord's, but I just felt like, you know, it, I would replace the Lord with ancestors or my spiritual protectors. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I, mm-hmm. it's not my weight to carry. Um, mm-hmm. I, I realize I, you know, I always have a responsibility in this life for my decisions and my choices, but it, I just knew that. You know, uh, it was not my weight to carry, and that's kind of how I lightened the load because, you know, growing up having um, certain situations Mm -hmm. that was very challenging and being a child, you don't Mm -hmm. have any power, right? You don't, you're at the mercy of everybody's decisions around you that Mm -hmm. are your Mm -hmm. caretakers. So not having that power Mm -hmm. to make those decisions, worrying was only going to make things worse. So, um it was just like, you know, mm-hmm. hey, I can't, I'm in a I'm in a situation where I can't get myself out of these scenarios or these situations, so what do I do, you know? And it's like I can't worry about it, so I have to tap in and go internally to be at peace and find some type of happiness mm-hmm. to cope until I'm in a position to make decisions to, to better my situation. Mm-hmm. And a, a book is um, <laughs> Woman at Point Zero. That book mm. resonated with me. Um, I And it's so funny how I got that book. <laughs> I think someone had given my grandmother a box of those books, uh, a box of books or something. Like they came from a thrift store. It was just really weird how that book ended up in my our house, number one. But two, mm. I, I it said Women at Point Zero. And I just said, let me read it. And, like, the first, at that time I was 16, and I had the first few pages, I was laying across the bed, and the first few pages I was looking, and I just, like, started bawling because her story resonated Mm -hmm. so deeply with mine. Um, And and this was a woman who, um, this was an Arabic woman who uh, was given an account on how she uh, was, you know, had been raped and molested, and and had she, she, I think she had killed uh, one of her uh, offenders. And so, um, you know, just just reading that, I was like, oh, my gosh. And that book pretty much had, a, not pretty much, it, it had a very significant impact on me. Um, mm-hmm. And it just made me, it just gave me this um, this burning desire to make sure that I am always accountable one for my decisions and the situations that I find myself in. So it gave me an even deeper awareness of, you know, how I want to show up and where I want to show up in life and how I encounter other people. Um, Mm -hmm. 
but yeah, I mean, that's just the basic. That book just did so much for me. And it did make me think a lot, again, about ancestral protection. So, Jasmine, why is developing a relationship with your ancestors important? What are your thoughts? It provides, it provides, it's, it provides so many things. Um, of course, a lot of the words that I described earlier when things come to mind, but it's very important because it keeps you grounded. Um, it serves as a compass of mm-hmm. where you're going, where you can go. Um, when you know that your ancestors are, you know, people of greatness, like how can you not aspire to be that or how can you not continue on mm-hmm. that legacy, Right. Um, mm. and just looking at a practical example, the most important reason is evident in the fact that, you know, education and religion has often been colonialized. Looking at how, you know, our people were enslaved and then after coming out of enslavement, they changed everything in education to be whitewashed. So why wouldn't you? Uh, try to redeem and rejuvenate that connection with your ancestors. And part of that is, one, knowing who they were, even if you never got to meet them, knowing who they were, because knowing who they were, you know, provides a deeper insight to who you are, who you can be, um, and who you will be to a certain extent. Um, One of the things, like my my biological father, I didn't meet him until I was 17, and at 16 I went to look for him. And my mom always told me, you know, who he was and everything. But, you know, um, I, I wanted to get to know him because I said getting to know who the other half of me is will help me f- learn more about myself. And so, and that's mm-hmm. what I wanted to know. And um, I was given seven divine years to know him. He transitioned after me knowing him for seven years. Wow. And, I mean, what are the odds of a divine number of seven, Right. And so um, at the end of the day, like, just knowing who he is or who he was, you know, that did um, help with, you know, self-confidence. But And I, I didn't lack it severely, but it was good to know who that man was. And it pleasantly, you know, very smart man, very intelligent, very enterprising. So that explained, you know, the other yeah. part of my business savvy and entrepreneurial spirit, because I knew it was always on my mom's maternal side of the family, but mm-hmm. I was like, what was my dad like? What was that family like? You know, um, what yeah. was their lineage and heritage beyond what my mom could tell me? And so um, mm-hmm. it's, it it makes a world of difference. But uh, and when it, you know, I am not. I'm probably not quoting it verbatim, and I. You know, there's always a saying that if you want to control a people, remove their history. Mm. What has been done with us? Our history has been removed. Enslavement was not our history. That was not our beginning. That was a condition that we experienced in time. And for that reason, I do not watch videos and movies of enslavement reliving and reviving that trauma. Like, why? And it's Mm. only to me, it serves as propaganda to remind people who don't know that this is your history, these are your people, and this is what Mm. you come from, and this is all that you'll amount to, you know. And maybe that's not Mm. the intention, but, like, why not go prior to that? I went to see, I think it's M.K. Asante. Um, He wrote, gosh, I think the book called Buck, 
And I went to mm-hmm. see him speak at a Juneteenth celebration. Or no, Kwanzaa. I think it was Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa. Celebration. Yes. At the Black. Um, <laughs> yes. So um, I think it was in 2019 at the Kwanzaa celebration. Mm-hmm. And he, yes. um, had, I bought his book and, and his uh, collaboration of Black Candle with Dr. Maya Angelou. And mm-hmm. the thing he said that, he, that she told him, when you walk in a room, you walk in a room with your ancestors on your back. And I said, that was the first time that it was put into words my experience when I move about because people always say, you walk with a presence that, like, it's hard for you not to be seen. Mm-hmm. And it's because at every <laughs> given moment, I walk with my ancestors on my back. Mm. And for me, that was so powerful. I was like, you know, because that, I never talked about it, but I just always knew it was there. And so that's why Mm -hmm. when I walk in a room, you know, I'm always in, throughout my entire career and most of my life, I've always had access to places that most people of color don't have access to or are trying to get access to. Mm-hmm. And most of my mm-hmm. corporate career, I was always either the only person of color, the youngest person, or the only female, and only sometimes mm-hmm. only the only of all three. And mm-hmm. never feeling intimidated, never feeling like I didn't belong. Mm-hmm. Because it's like... You do. You know, <laughs> yeah. And not only that, it's belong. like... Yeah. And and because and, and I know for a fact that because I was born, because I made it into this realm of existence and just looking at it from a scientific level, I tell people, when you're in sex ed in middle school, what do they tell you? How many sperm <laughs> try to race the egg? It's millions, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if it's millions of sperm mm-hmm. that try to get to that egg, out of a million others, it was me. Mm-hmm. So why would I waste <laughs> that opportunity? And my final question is, what would you say to us to inspire or encourage others who are interested in cultivating a spiritual relationship with their ancestors? The first thing I would say is, one of my original and favorite quotes is, the best degree, the best degree that one can earn is a degree in self mastery, is a PhD in self mastery. Mm, I love that. Mm-hmm. Nobody else has the answers to your life except for you. Mm. And the deeper you tap into yourself, the more you're going to want to know about those who contributed to your existence today. When we talk about quote, old souls in the realm of psychology, we are often referring to those individuals who seem to have inherent wisdom and a grounded sense of being in the world, often far more than would be expected for someone their age. Carla Marie Manley. Seemingly, This young woman has been on a mission since conception, born into the world with a profound sense of awareness. Jasmine walks through this world 
with incredible depths of instinct, faith, and wisdom before her time. As a professional consultant and a leader in her community, she continues to enlighten others about personal responsibility, illuminating infinite possibilities, and aligning with one's highest good. This week's scripted wisdom relates to our conversation with our featured guest. Old souls are in touch with their prior experiences, as well as those of their ancestors who have been through life prior. They feel the weight of their ancestors' memories in their shared DNA, genome, and epigenome. This can be a powerful tool to tap into the shared memories and experiences of your lineage. I know. No matter what you are going through, remember that God is only using you. For this battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. Yolanda Adams Everybody has to die for dolls. I will die and you will die. The important thing is how to live until you die. Noel El Sadoui. <laughs>